Hello, sci-fi fans. This is Robert Picardo, the holographic doctor from Star Trek Voyager, and Richard Woolsey from Stargate Atlantis. And you're listening to the Sci-Fi Diner Podcast. Live long and prosper. Bad feeling about this. I'm tired of turning away from the things that I want to believe in. This is going to get pretty interesting. Define interesting. Oh God, oh God, we're all going to die? Only try to realize the truth. There is no spoon. Did I fall asleep? For a little while. You are listening to the Sci-Fi Diner Podcast. And now, from the end of the universe, bringing you the latest in science fiction movies and television shows, here are your hosts. Welcome to the Sci-Fi Diner Podcast, a place where we are talking about all sorts of goodness in the things that we call sci-fi. My name is Scott Hertzog. And I am Miles P. McLaughlin. And we're your hosts for tonight. What do you call the male hostess at like a restaurant, Miles? Um, is there, are they called the host? I guess uh, the, they're called the host. Or, right? What's the major D do? Oh, maybe that's what they're Mitra D. It sounds so sounds so proper. You know, sounds we, very specific. We, yeah, we are not that. <laughs> but anyways, that's, it's a diner for crying out loud. It's a diner. Come on, what do you expect? You expect yes. fine dining? Go, go go somewhere else. No, this is this is blue collar sci-fi. Yeah, <laughs> blue collar. There you go. Great. Anyways, anyways, tonight. We have an awesome agenda lined up for you. We, of course, are going to be doing an interview with none other than the godfather of Star Trek himself, Robert Ricardo. And, of course, he's known for his roles in Stargate as well. We will also be talking about Defying Gravity and how it got canceled, then uncanceled, and we aren't sure what's really going on. Battlestar Galactica meets Warehouse 13. Dr. Horrible actually wins an Emmy. Prince of Persia, Star Trek, Pirates of the Caribbean, Surrogates, Transformers 3, Wolverine, and the Fringe DVD releases. We got tons of goodness here for you tonight. So a lot of excitement, a lot of excitement. Miles, what have you been doing in the world of sci-fi this past week? Well, uh, my wife and I had a chance on Labor Day to go to uh, the Franklin Institute and check out the Star Trek exhibit. And that's in Philadelphia, right? That's in Philadelphia, yes. So um, so tell us about the Star Trek exhibit. Well, it, it they have on, on display a lot of uh, costumes, uh, props from the original series through um, the current movie. Uh, so the, there's lots of that. There's also for a, a mock-up of the uh, Enterprise D bridge. It looks like the real thing. Yeah. <coughs> Excuse me. It was it was very impressive. You get your picture on the captain's chair. You also have a replica of the of the chair that Captain Kirk sat on in the original series. You get your picture taken with that. Uh, there's a green screen, and then what they do is they fill it in with the, the bridge from the original series. So you get some nice nice pictures there. Also, you get your picture on a transporter also. And they have, like, videos playing of, um, you know, Gene Roddenberry and the actors of Star Trek. And um, if you're a Star Trek fan, you got to see this. It's, 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 it's incredible. It was well worth it. Do you know how long it's running till? It's running till the twentieth, so I'm sure it's going someplace else after it leaves Philly, but yeah. I'm not sure where. I'm sure you can find it out on the web if you're really interested. And of course, you had to get your picture where Miles. I had my, I got my oh I got two pictures. I got one picture on the Captain Kirk chair. Cool. Which uh, which, we, which is on on the website. Very cool. 
Yeah, we're going to get that. Uh, you mean on the Sci-Fi Diner website? Oh, yeah, that's yes. the one you sent me, right? Yes. That, oh, yeah. That, 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 that. Yep, yep. And uh, if you haven't checked out the website yet, you do have to check it out. What's happening to me in the world of sci-fi? Uh, I was sick this weekend. So what did I do? Netflix has the entire four or five seasons of Sliders on it. So, oh. So, you uh, I mean, I casually watched a show when it was on. Uh, in fact, I was really into Sliders, and for about a year, I think it was the first season, it was on right before X-Files, and we would go over to some friend's house where my wife worked, and uh, we would watch this. And uh, so I didn't see the entire season, but I saw a bunch of them, and I decided, you know what, I want to watch these again. And, and, you know, they're a little bit campy now when you look at them, but they were pretty good shows when they were on. They really explored some good topics, some good social commentary, some good ideas, a lot of alternative, a lot of alternate history type stuff. It was pretty good. Yeah, I, I like Sliders a lot. I didn't really watch it when it was on TV, so I caught it in reruns when Sci-Fi aired it and yeah. and on Netflix. And uh, yeah, that was a great show. Yeah, and now you can watch them on demand. So like, you know, I just downloaded my Xbox and let's go. So mm-hmm. totally cool. So that's what I've been doing. That's what I've been doing in sci-fi, and of course, you know, keeping up with Warehouse Thirteen and a ton of other things that we do. Mm-hmm. But, <laughs> anyways, some show news I want to give you before we get into our actual show here. We just want to thank everyone that listened to our interview with Alison Scaliotti. Tons of people retweeted it, and we too many to to, to mention. You know, thousands of people just listened to this thing. It was really really cool. Um, and we just want to give props to the many people <clears throat> who did that and also to those who signed up to follow the Sci-Fi Diner on Twitter, which is, of course, at Sci-Fi Diner on the Twitter page. And uh, and it was just really good to see you and kind of begin to meet you and interact with you and talk with you. And, you, and if you have not done so, please follow us on Twitter. We often put up news as it breaks from the different sources that we pull them from. And we put up some of our own thoughts and things that are happening in the sci-fi world. Tons of people answered the trivia this week. We want to thank everyone that played. Just so you know, if you don't hear your name and you know you answered the trivia question right, it's not because we hate you, all right? We really do love each and every one that has proven their geek cred to us. And if we could mention everyone in the show, we would. The way we do our trivia is everyone literally can play this. It doesn't matter where you're from, whether you're uh, around the world or whatever. However, not everyone can win the prize. We unfortunately cannot ship because of our financial and how much we're actually getting paid to do this. We cannot ship these across seas and overseas. And so it's not meant to slight our listeners across the sea. It's just economic reasons. Um, the other thing is we will d- we, we draw our winners at random for the prize. So just I mean, if you're like, why is this guy winning? I didn't win, and I know I answered it right. Well, it's because we're drawing it from random. And if you want more information, you can visit our web- website at the SciFiDinerPodcast dot com and click the link to the contest, and it'll explain everything I just got telling done telling you. Plus, you can look up past trivia winner winners and answers and questions, and it's kind of cool that way. I, I think you and I are doing it the fairest way possible. I mean. Um, yeah. Let me just say, you know, those of you who answered the question correctly, I mean, uh, you are getting geek cred. I mean, so I you mean, are uh, highly esteemed in our eyes. Yes, among us, you, you're getting much geek cred, but only be one winner. Yeah, which, uh, which of course means a whole lot because you know, after all, this is Scott and Miles you're talking about. Whatever. Um, <laughs> all right, let's move into our trivia question from last week, Miles. We, of course, were giving away a copy of Batman Beyond, the movie, the DVD, 
the original movie for it. And uh, I love the Batman Beyond series, so it's a worthy, worthy gift, in my opinion. Um, and plays into what the question was. Miles, tell us yes. the question. We asked last week, who played Hiro Nakamura's father? Now, of course, this question is in regards to what TV show? Of, of Heroes. Of course. And the, the answer was what? Uh, George Takei. Um, and this is important George, to you, why? Well, George Takei played uh, Sulu from Star Trek. Of course. Everything, if you don't know by now, everything comes back to Star Trek in the show. It doesn't matter how much I try to rain Miles in. It's always Star Trek. Whatever. It's, it's all about Star Trek. It is. It is. And we did have a winner, and our winner is? Our winner is Shelby90. Yeah. Shelby90 uh, from Twitter, and so we'll be contacting you and how we can get that prize to you. So, Miles, let's go ahead and get into our sci-fi trivia question for this week. Okay. For anybody who followed Robert Picardo's career, name two sci-fi movies that uh, Robert Picardo was in and we're going to exclude right. star trek um insurrection so this is one you have to think about maybe do a little research on if you're a robert ricardo fan like we are you should know this question and the, the our prize for this week is a copy of smallville season two on dvd so if you're a smallville fan which by the way you said he was in right yes he did he did a couple episodes of smallville oh good i did not know that uh do you know what season that was in he was in uh it's not saying. I mean, it was, it was back in it was back in two thousand early two thousand eight. He was in it. Okay, well, that has to be in season seven eight. Was my guess mm-hmm. season seven or eight? But anyways, if you know the answer to this trivia question, please call us one eight 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 five zero eight four three four three or email us at the sci fi diner podcast at gmail dot com, and you can of course contact us and let us know um, on Twitter at the sci-fi diner and uh we will we will of course take all your answers and then put your name into a drawing and give you the prize so that's kind of cool all right before we move into our news we're gonna hear from our friends at the signal podcast you know what the first rule of flying is above you're listening to the signal well we hope you are we're back with season five shiny let's be bad guys could be bumpy. Always is. Oh, God. Oh, God. And this year... We're going further than we ever have before. To bring you the best articles... Interviews... News... And reviews from in and around the world of Joss Whedon's Firefly and Serenity. I love this ship. I have from the first moment I saw it. What you care about is the ships, and mine's the nicest. It's love, in point of fact. She loves this ship. If you love Firefly, you need to listen to The Signal. With new writers, new ideas, new content. And loads of your favorite regular segments. Helping to keep Firefly and Serenity alive in the hearts of browncoats everywhere. You hold. Hold till I get back. Hell with this. I'm gonna live. The Signal. Still flying in 2009. Join us at www.serenityfirefly.com. We're still flying. That's not much. It's enough. The Signal. Season 5. What was that? 
Welcome back to the Sci-Fi Diner Podcast. We're now heading into our science fiction news. Last week, we did something a little bit different by doing a bunch of fall preview shows. Was that right, Miles? Did we do that? Was that last yes, we week? did. And we, we, we covered them pretty much in depth. Yeah, well, you know, as much as we want to here. And we'll, we'll obviously be talking about our favorites as the season goes along. And, of course, Fringe opens up this Thursday. Looking forward to that and many, many others that are opening up over the next uh, two, three, four weeks here. But tonight we're going to go back into our, our regular format, trying to do the 10, 10, and 10, 10 minutes of science fiction television, 10 minutes of movies, and 10 minutes of DVDs. So we're going to start a course with TV and try to keep it to somewhere about 10 minutes here. And I'm timing myself. Okay, let's start off with defying gravity news. News came out, I guess it was yesterday, that ABC said that the eight aired episodes, they had, and they had about five more in the can, that it was canceled. And then... About a half an hour later, half a day later, other news broke that said, eh, they're still considering it. They just aren't real sure where we're going to put it. So that was kind of the story that came out. I don't know. Here, 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 here's my thoughts into Smiles. You did not watch a show, right? No, I didn't get a chance to catch it. Uh, it's, it's one that was just a really solid show. It got better each episode, but it had a couple strikes against it. Number one. Kind of the way Kings was, they made it a Sunday night show at 10 o'clock at night. Terrible time if you want to promote a new show. Secondly, I, I knew that there were, the show was in trouble, even though I liked it, when right before Labor Day, the episode that aired, they did not show, like, you know how they show at the end of the, the episode, they'll show you a hint of the, file, of the next week's episode, a teaser of the next week's episode? Sure. They didn't do that. And I said, okay. ABC is obviously not behind the show 100%. I don't know. I, I, uh, I, I feel like this show is, was good. I'm sad that it's canceled. I, th- I think basically this is, a, this is basically its death threat. Well, I mean, it, it's, it sounds almost like they pulled a fox in a way. I mean, it's what came to, to Firefly. I mean, Firefly was not on a good time. Fox never was really behind it. And... Um, you know, that's what happens. I mean, networks got to be behind a TV show if, if they want it, want it to succeed. Well, and you know, I keep harkening back to the days of the X-Files, right? I mean, the X-Files, <clears throat> the viewership was not that great the first season, and Fox gave it another chance, and, you know, it became a really big hit show over the course of its years. It seems like lately, you know, we give a show four or five episodes, and then we begin to talk about cancellation right away. Yeah, the networks just aren't patient with the shows anymore. No, I mean, they uh, are not. You have to have a show that grabs people right away or you're off. Maybe it's our short attention spans these days. You know, I did have a prom. Hearn came and said, you know, came and said that the article that I was reading kind of compared Defying Gravity to shows like Firefly, Terminator, Sericana Chronicles, or even My Own Worst Enemy that was kind of canceled mid-season. And he had a prom. He said, he got Firefly, you know, Defying Gravity are not in the same league. Uh, I can agree with that. In fact, I would say that probably Terminator, Sericana Chronicles, and My Own Worst Enemy are not even up to the par Firefly was. However, I thought this was a good show, and for a summer show that came on about the same time as Warehouse 13, you had a really good show. It was entertaining, and I liked it. I don't know. Well, whatever. Well, you know, 
the fans are just going to need to get a hold of ABC somehow and tell them they want to keep the show going. We're going to put a link in the show notes to this article, and this article actually has um, a place you can go and send a polite email to ABC asking them to reconsider it. And uh, and you can also go to the forums and all those things to kind of put your plug in there. But, you know, whatever. But <clears throat> anyways, enough about Defying Gravity. In other TV news, uh, you know, Firefly is gone, but our sci-fi western is on the way back. Uh, producers have been developing a new sci-fi show. Um, and they say they're on the cusp of a new wave of sci-fi westerns. Years after premature demise of TVs, the adventures of Briscoe County Jr. and Firefly suggest that viewers didn't much like mixing horseplay with spaceships. Now comes the news that uh, Chuck, executive producer Scott Rosenbaum, is developing an as yet untitled sci-fi odor for the uh, uh, Fox Broadcasting Network. Can we stop right there? They're saying that the reason Firefly was canceled is that viewers did not much like mixing horseplay with spaceships. <clears throat> yeah, I disagree with that. Totally. Come on. It was Fox's decision. That show, if they would have kept that show on, you know, it takes a while for the word to get around about these shows. And so by the time you hit, you know, episode 10, the word's getting out and the viewership's on the rise. But by that time, they decided to cancel it. Man, it's not so much viewers as it is, you know, these stupid executives that are making decisions up in the upper echelon of the TV heaven or something. I don't know. They're just not in touch with the, with the people. I mean, that's 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 what it is. Uh, yeah, I mean, Firefly. I mean, look at the DVD sales uh, for the TV show and and the um, and the DVDs for the for uh, the movie. You know, I mean, Firefly is is considered a cult. You know, one of those uh, cult phenomenons out there, um, it, it, which has a very loyal fan base. Let, we, we do hope for sci-fi westerns. Let's hope they're as good as Firefly and, you know, maybe even better. Yeah. Uh, who knows? We would certainly like to do that. Well, uh, Painted Dog from Twitter wanted us to chat about the wrap-up of Warehouse 13, the finale, which airs next week from this night. Of course, right now as we're talking, Warehouse 13 is airing, and we, of course, are doing the podcast, not watching it right now. But he did want us to talk about uh, what we know about the finales, and uh, let's tell him what we know. What do we know about the finale right now? Uh, not based on the article that I sent you in Colonel Ty. I mean, uh, we don't we don't know much. We know that it's a cliffhanger. We know that... You know, someone supposedly supposedly dies. Right. We know that it's left hanging in the balance, so we got to wait till next summer to find out what's going on, which will make us real happy. But it'll keep us engaged, and uh, okay. it'll keep us talking and keep us speculating, which is the cool thing about it. But you know, I kind of did a quick search for spoilers uh, on, on Warehouse Thirteen, and maybe I wasn't at the right sites or anything, um, but there wasn't a lot of out there. They've kind of kept this under wraps, and I think that's a pretty that's a good thing. Now, I did see in one article that Micah kind of hinted that there's a possible romance, maybe hints of a romance in the works. I don't know. Mm. We'll see. Anyways, uh, why don't you go ahead and go into that Colonel Tyre article since that also relates to Warehouse 13. Well, something to look forward to tomorrow when I watch it. Um, but um, <clears throat> three reasons why Michael Hogan we can't rattle off the reasons why he, he couldn't say no to your appearing on tonight's episode of uh, Warehouse 13. Reason one, it's always fun when people call you out of the blue and ask me and my wife to play husband and wife. So that was, of course, an intriguing thing. Reason two, I'm not sure if I've seen the Warehouse 13 pilot yet, 
when this came up. But I was intrigued by the idea. And it was a show that brought me back into the sci-fi family. So it was a no-brainer. Reason three. And playing the parents of uh, Joanne Kelly was fabulous. We hit it off right away. So to put all the above in context, Hogan and his wife, like husband and wife, and the, and the parents of uh, Micah uh, in the episode Nevermore premiering uh, at 9 p.m. tonight, Eastern Standard Time. The episode finds Micah visiting her desperately ill father, who was under the influence of half an artifact that once belonged to Edgar Allan Poe. The other half is an organ, the possession of a student who is behaving very strangely. Yes. Hogan spends much the episode awake and screaming in pain, unconscious and writhing spasmatically of some combination thereof. During an exclusive television interview last week, Hogan joked about the shoot being one of his more unusual experiences on the set. I mean, so this basically tells it, you know, this, <clears throat> this excites me because I, I loved him on Battlestar Galactica. Had to be one of my favorite actors. Oh, yes. He played one of the most interesting characters on the show. And, oh, yeah. Uh, Absolutely. And so so it, it'll, be, it'll be nice to see him back. And I did see, they, they mentioned there toward the end of the article that this could be a reoccurring role. That would be great. Because he doesn't die in the episode. Oh, I guess it's a spoiler. But by the time this comes out, it will have aired and everyone who likes Warehouse 13 will have watched it. So, you know, we could see more of him. And that would be kind of cool. Yeah, that, I, 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 I would love to see more of Michael Hogan. I enjoyed um, him in BSG. Yeah, yeah. Micah's parents, Micah's parents. All right, let's move on. we got to keep moving here. In our last piece of TV news, Dr. Horrible, of course, won its first Emmy for Joss Whedon. A Dr. Horrible sing-along blog on Saturday won the Emmy Award for short-format live-action entertainment programs. A first for creator Joss Whedon, whose only previous Emmy nomination was for writing Buffy the Vampire Slayer. So he was nominated once before, but this is his first win. And we love that because Dr. Horrible is absolutely phenomenal. Well, I'm happy for Joss Whedon. That's, yeah. that, that's just great. Yeah, kudos, kudos. We need to put cheering in the background or something. I will tell you this. It did, it did come all across the wire, and I don't have this in the show notes, and I really should put it there. But uh, did, he did say in an interview that he is that they are working diligently on a Dr. Horrible 2 script. Um, there's no pla- there's no dates yet or plans on when that's going to come out, but we do know that that is a definite. There were rumors of that earlier on, and I think we actually talked about the rumors on the show, but it sounds like this is more than just a rumor. It's a definite thing. We just don't know the details as to when, how, and so why, and so on. And so that's pretty cool. Yeah, that, pretty uh, cool. Um, that is very cool. All right, let's move into movies. Is Prince of Persia the first great game movie? Video games have inspired a few good movies. Mortal Kombat was sort of fun. Resident Evil had its chills, and Angelina Jolie was a credible Lara Croft. But um, none of them have been great. For every Tomb Raider, there's a Hitman, Legend of Chun-Li, or Super Mario Brothers. But producer Jerry Bruckheimer unveiled their foreseen footage from Disney's upcoming Prince of Persia, The Sands of Time, at the D23 Fan Expo in Anaheim, California on Friday, and it rocked the house, suggesting that Persia may be the first video game-based movie to break the mold. So, I mean, this is, this is good stuff. We hope. We hope. Because <clears throat> how many video game movies have you seen? I've, let's see. I've, well, I've seen the first uh, <clears throat> Tomb Raider movie. I've seen Mortal Kombat I'm trying to think of anything else. I know I saw the I saw all the Resident Evil movies, and uh, I did see Hitman as well, <coughs> and I saw Max Payne. All these movies, uh, you know, they were they were like we say sometimes they were a good watch, nothing to brag or write home about. And the problem, oh, I think the other one was Doom. Everyone was talking about Doom, you know, when you had the first person perspective there at the end of it. Uh, you know, these these movies, for some reason, video games 
have not in the past translated into really great, great movies. And I think what they're hoping with this movie, what it sounds like, and it seems to be the initial feedback from, is that this has the potential to not just be eh, an okay video game movie, or not just a good, but a great video game movie. We, we, we can only hope. Yeah, we can only hope. I haven't been a huge fan of it. I've watched a bunch of them, you know, kind of watched them with high hopes. We'll see what happens. Johnny Depp is confirmed for Pirates of the Caribbean 4. We heard rumors about this earlier, but he is confirmed to reprise his role in the next Pirates of the Caribbean film, which is called On Stranger Tides. And he appeared also at the D23 Expo in Anaheim, which, by the way, is Disney's 23 Expo. So it's kind of their answer to Comic-Con, I guess is what people sometimes say. It'll be the first film in a new Pirates trilogy, which means we probably have him signed on for more than just Pirates of the Caribbean 4. My guess he's probably into the entire trilogy. It would seem odd that you would just sign him on for part of it. Filming for this, of course, will commence next summer, 2011. Excuse me, next year for... Oh, yeah, next summer. Or next uh, next year it'll film, maybe not next summer. But for a 2011 release. So we have two years till it comes out. I don't know, Miles, what do you think of this? They're trying to get as much uh, cash cow as possible. Well, um, I tell you what, did you did, did you watch all three? I did, but I didn't enjoy two and three as much as I enjoyed the first one. There was there was a novelty in the first one that you just kind of said, ah, good pirate. You know, when I watched the others, and the others, you know, I, I liked them. They weren't they weren't any that I'm going to run back and watch again. But I do like Johnny Depp. I liked Orlando Bloom. I like Gregory Rush. I, I just, I, you know, the, 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 the entire cast was good in all three movies. Yeah, it could be entertaining. We'll see. It just, um, I guess they just feel that there's more money to be made. Yeah. Go ahead, Miles. Talk about your first love. <laughs> my, fir- my first sci-fi love. Uh, yeah. <laughs> in Star Trek news, uh, three things <laughs> Ahura wants the next Star Trek and one she doesn't. Uh, Zoe Saldana is eager to reprise the role of uh, Nyota Uhura in the inevitable sequel to J.J. Abrams' hit Star Trek movie and is looking forward to three big things. And this is, is what she says. To go back to Star Trek and see Chris, Chris's uh, baby blue eyes and to kiss uh, Spock, Zachary Quinto, and to work with J.J. I couldn't have been in a better environment from the writers to the producers. She told a group of reporters, including Sci-Fi Wire last week. It's exciting to relive the experience in another adventure in space. However, there is one thing she's not looking forward to, fitting into the Ahura's form-fitting uniform. I'm not looking forward to the dress, Saldana admitted with a laugh. It just means I have to hit the gym two months before we start shooting, so I'm not looking forward to that. You know, the uh, the thing about this is I know that she has said, one of the things she also said, I don't think it was in this article, but another article read that a good thing about playing a character like Ahura is that she gets to reprise this role and it's, it's, you know, it's guaranteed work. I mean, that's, you know, as long as she wants it, basically. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, um, they could keep making Star Trek movies for the next couple of years. And, yeah, she'll, like like you said, she, she'll have work. Yeah. yeah. And the article then goes on to say, I guess I cut you off there, but it has taken in more than $380 million. And we kind of talked about that before. I'm looking forward to having her come back to Star Trek, too. <coughs> Me, too. She was pleasant to the eye. And she, and she did look good in that her uniform. There you go. There you go. Whereas I would not... I have to agree with you. Yeah. (laughs) All right. We have a new trailer for the sci-fi film Surrogates that is due out September 25th. Imagine a world where you can be anyone. 
with an unprecedented situation. Two people have died while connected to their surrogates. I think we may actually have a homicide here. First one in years. The public cannot be allowed to get the idea that using a surrogate can be fatal. Especially if it's true. I just want to know how an operator can be killed by signals from a surrogate. Surrogates have been blown to bits without the least bit of harm to their operators. If it were possible, it would defeat the entire purpose of surrogacy. Oh my god, Tom? You're lucky to be alive. Good thing you unplugged. How long is it since you've been out without a surrogate? Can't even remember. It's different when you actually feel the pain. What do you want from me? My wife. I am your wife. No, you're not. We can change the world and now you want to destroy it? Surrogacy is a perversion. It's an addiction. How do I stop this? You can't. I think something's gonna happen. What happens now? Now it's up to you. You just got done watching it. What did you think of this trailer? Oh my gosh, this <sighs> looked good. Yeah, and I tell you what I really liked about this trailer. It started out like an advertisement for you to go get your own surrogate. Mm-hmm. And I liked that. I thought it was a unique way. It looked like I was watching a commercial on TV or they were trying to sell me the new VW Jetta or something like that. Um, they were just kind of promoted. And I liked that. I thought it was really well done. And then you get into some of the action sequences and it looks good. The effects look like they blend right in. Uh, and it's Bruce Willis. Come on. We said this before. You can't go wrong with Bruce Willis. Well, maybe you can. But in this one, it Not looks this- good. No. <laughs> Yeah, I, I'm, I can't wait for this movie to come out. This, this. Are you planning to see it in the theater? Yes, I, I, yeah, I, I, I am. I think this is this is worth the ten bucks to go see it in the theater. Yeah, we got a little bit of Transformer news. It's not really news per se. Uh, we we, we kind of hinted at this a couple months ago, but um, we're this is more of a confirmation. But uh, Transformers three release could get pushed back to 2012. In this article, it is confirmed that Michael Bay does want to direct the new Transformers, but he, he says realistically it's going to have to be, you know, it's going to have to be 2012 for it to come out. You know, and this felt, we were talking about this before the show, this felt like this is news. And that was kind of my response to it when I saw it come through the wire. I'm like, we talked about this when Transformers came out. Uh, they, you know, uh, 
uh, whoever produces it, had jumped the gun saying, hey, it's going to be out 2011, and Michael Bay shot back. There's no way it'll be out by that time, you know, 2012 at the earliest. So we kind of knew this, and so it's not a surprise that Transformers 3 isn't going to come out to 2012. And so I'm not... I'm not really sure why people were, why it's news now. Maybe it's just a final official confirmation, but we kind of knew this. We talked mm-hmm. about this before. Whatever. But it's good that Michael Bay will be involved with it again. Yeah, that is good. I guess maybe that was a bit more unconfirmed because I think that was a bit up in the air when we last talked about it. So, mm-hmm. yeah, whatever. All right, well, why don't we go into our um, 10 minutes of sci-fi DVD and video news? They may not be quite 10 minutes, but, you know, what the heck, who's counting? Uh, go ahead, Miles. Okay, well... I'm happy about this. Uh, X-Men Origins uh, uh, Wolverine is coming out um, on uh, DVD and Blu-ray. And uh, um, I didn't get a chance to see it in the movie theater, so I'll, I'm looking forward to renting it and, and checking it out. Yeah, and it's a two-disc edition plus the digital copy. That means they have something ready for your iPod, your video iPod, or whatever you want to watch it on. Uh, so you don't have to stick to the disc itself. Yeah, you know you can always create your own digital copy. Yeah, whatever. This will be a legal copy, though. Yeah, it'll be a legal copy, which... A legal, not an illegal copy of it. And I don't know. Wolverine certainly did well enough at the box office, and I certainly want to see it. I have not seen it yet. And I know other people have seen it in theater. I don't know. I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, me too. And the price of this is right. Do you know what the Blu-ray DVD costs? $22. Uh, wow, the price has come, come down on, on 22, Blu-ray. $22 through Amazon, through my sci-fi store our store. So you can always buy it there for that price and it's good. So Miles, if you want to own it, you can buy it through our store. All right. Uh, let's talk about fringe DVD, the fringe DVD release. This of course came out last week and uh, we of course are huge fans in the fr- uh, of the fringe and JJ Abrams for that matter. A um, couple of extra features and some of these are worth noting. They talk about the genesis of fringe, how it all started um, they talk about the real science behind the fringe, you know, all those little freaky things that they talk about, stuff from teleportation to reanimation. Um, they talk about the making of fringe. They talk about oh, what else? Casting of fringe, the visual, the visual effects, um, the gag reel, which is always fun to watch those gag reels. And, um, and, the, and, and even a little homage to Gene the Cow, because come on, you can't have fringe without Gene the Cow. I wonder if there's a Gene the Cow in the parallel universe. That would be interesting to see if they'll meet with their counterparts and uh, when they explore the parallel. Well, uh, you know, all, all but all but Peter, of course. Well, right, because because Peter it is, seems like that Peter is uh, he's from that universe. Yeah, at least that's what they're suggesting. Yeah, I don't know, and there's been there's been a, you know, a lot of. Um, what do they call those? The viral marketing trailers that have been popping up with the Observer in them again. So we're going to see more of the Observer and see more of his background. And J.J. Abrams has hinted their surprises in store for us. So we're looking forward to it. So if you haven't done so and you want to buy Own Fringe, which is totally worthy of owning, you can do it through MySciFiStore.com. And you can also own X-Men Origins and tons of other DVDs that are on there. And you can help support the Sci-Fi Diner podcast as well. So that's kind of cool. Yes, and you as a customer will save. Yep, you absolutely will. Well, we're going to be heading into an interview, but first we want to uh, listen to what our good friends at the Ninth Heroes podcast have to say to us as they talk about their show. Um, I've listened to this show. It is a good show. They do a great analysis of, of what's going on in Heroes, and you better believe it, they're going to be back in action when Redemption starts on Monday. 
sometimes questions are more powerful than answers. How is this happening? What are they? Why them and not others? Why now? What does it all mean? In a world where ordinary individuals I was at a bar. I had a beer. Begin to discover their unique abilities. I think I can fly. Ten people from across the nation will chronicle the events as they unfold. I'm gonna be here. Guiding fans from all over the world deeper into the extraordinary lives of heroes. The Ninth, a Heroes Netcast. www.heroescast.com. Also available on iTunes. Welcome back to the Sci-Fi Diner Podcast. We, of course, have an excellent and exciting inter- interview for you tonight. We actually recorded this interview at Shorely this past summer, and it was an absolute pleasure to meet and chat with Robert Picardo. Yes, this was one, one I was probably looking forward to most out of all the interviews we did there. Um, and, uh, I mean, this was nice for both of us. Um, he was, for me, Star Trek Voyager, you the Stargate and uh, uh, Stargate uh, Atlantis, uh, so it worked out real well. Yeah, it did, and he, and he was really uh, when we were there, he really gave us his, we have it we, we he gave us our attention, and he was really focused in what we were talking about. It was really good to kind of sit down, and just chat with him because he's someone that we both have kind of admired, and, and we look forward to seeing where he's going to appear next. And um, you know, two notable sci-fi shows, and obviously sci-fi isn't the only thing he does. But these were some big, big shows for him, and I know that I know that we. It was really exciting just to sit here and chat with him, and so we're just really glad that we can bring in this interview. And uh, yeah, I think that's it. Anything else you want to say, Miles? Uh, I'm I'm looking forward to hearing the interview. I, I, I'm waiting for months to hear it. And yeah, I know we recorded it, and we was like, let's do it closer when Stargate uh, airs. And by the way, you know, if you haven't noticed, we've been trying to align the interviews out with shows that are either on or that are coming out. And so, um, and uh, so this is one that's coming out in two weeks. You know, Stargate Universe is coming out, and Robert Ricardo may or may not be on it. I think when we talked to him, he wasn't planning on it. But uh, also some news that the Stargate uh, Stargate movie is now back in back in the throes of things, so we might see him in that. Who knows? But either way, uh, we've done enough talking here. Why don't we go ahead and run into the interview? Hope you enjoy. Captain's log, Stargate five three five five six point four. We've towed a damaged vessel aboard and are attempting to repair it while the doctor treats the Komarian crew who have suffered minor injuries. We are ready to return to our ship. Could you contact one of your superiors? Doctor to the captain, please report to sickbay. Already on my way. The captain is coming here now. If you want to talk to her, you can have a 
seat. <laughs> Hi, Scott. How do you do? Miles. Hi, Miles. How do you do? Ethan Phillips is, is must be the greatest sport in the world. Oh, why? Because I abuse him so yes, horribly? Yes, yes. We are great friends, and our shtick has become an extension of our relationship as the characters on Voyager, where Neelix basically annoyed the Doctor, mm -hmm. but the Doctor secretly liked him mm -hmm. and admired his, you know, enthusiasm and his upbeat attitude, but but also found him a bit of a boob. And, <laughs> and, and uh, so, that, so that that was... Uh, we, we've extended that relationship in the way we interact on stage, but we're really great friends. Well, the, the chemistry is, is there. It's, no, no, no. Well, we love each other. We do, we do, we're really great friends. We talk on the phone a lot. We make each other laugh. We leave each other joke messages and you know, uh, satiric messages about Star Trek conventions. I once told him that because the convention market was slowing down, there was a promoter um, who... Uh, who was proposing a Star Trek convention where the fans got to kill their favorite Star Trek actor. It was called SnuffCon, <laughs> but he needed both of us to commit because it was a two-day event. Right. <laughs> so I would leave that message on his machine, dead serious, you know, and see what he would, you know, how he would respond to the, uh, snuff, respond? the SnuffCon offer. <laughs> so you guys try to out each other? We try to out, yeah, we try to take it to the next level and teasing each other and leaving it. Yeah. So we're, we're just really good buddies. Love the show the other night. Oh, thank you. <laughs> that was, um, thank you. It's it's build as a play, but that's not really fair to the entire uh, history of, of theater. Well, when you step out of character <laughs> and you start kicking him, yeah. I mean, it's very but it goofy. Works. And, yeah, it works because the audience. It's fun for the audience to see us slip in and out of the characterizations, mm -hmm. at least vocally, that they're used to. So that when we we completely stop dead and goof around and then go right back to where we were, I think that people enjoy that. You know, peek behind the uh, the, the backstage peek of, mm -hmm. uh, uh, that they think they're getting, and, and it's fun for us. The interruptions have become way more important than the story. <laughs> <laughs> well, and it makes it varied and interesting for you as well, then. Yeah, it, it's always a little different. We repeat obviously some jokes, but I have no idea what he's going to say, and, and, or who's going to take the lead in goofing off. You know, necessarily we sometimes. I will stop the show earlier on, but normally I let him do it, and then so to establish the fact that I'm trying to get business done, and and then he annoys me. But then, because my character tends to be a huge windbag, I sometimes won't let go of something, as you know. So we both we both stop the show plenty of times. Now tell us about uh, Stargate Atlantis. That's where I came from. I actually am not a Trekkie. Mm -hmm. Miles he, is. He will be someday. Yeah, he's trying to convert <laughs> when he me, grows up. Yeah, well, sure. right now I'm more of an Atlantis. Mm -hmm. Tell us about um, when you initially became a part of Stargate, the franchise. It was kind of a side character. You were in for a few episodes. They didn't see you for a while, and all of a sudden, Woolsey shows up again. And, and all, at the end, he's running Atlantis. How did that all work out? Did you know well, it was going to be a real I didn't know. It really came from the fact that uh, we can, that we're making an interview. Can you come back in a couple minutes? Um, it really came from the fact, I think, that the producers, Joe Malazzi and Paul Mealy, uh liked me. They had me up there. They, I think they were aware of me and, and liked my work from Voyager. They had me up for the one-shot guest star where I was supposed to help provide filler material for an episode that ran too long and they were going to expand it into a two-parter, Heroes. Uh, and then, and I played a pretty straight-ahead bad guy who came in to, you know, assign blame for the tra tragedy uh, of the death of their doctor and 
and it was uh, really giving uh, General Hammond Deer departed Don Davis a tough time and interviewing everybody and it was a complicated day shooting a lot of dialogue, some tricky camera moves, and uh, but I got the job done. They liked me. They took me out to dinner, and then they, I thought that was it. I never thought I'd come back in a part like that, but they decided to bring me back, and with each successive appearance, they kind of rehabilitated the Woolsey character a little bit. First they made him, first he was just an out-and-out -out dick, and the next time he's a dick, but he means well, right? He's a well-motivated dick. And then with each successive time, they started giving him little character foibles, a little bit of humor, different things. Are you off, my dear? Oh, no, I'm doing the talk. Oh, good. Oh, Yeah. Uh, Are you off it, today? Uh, no, I'm, I'm staying this evening, so oh, maybe okay. I'll see you later. I'm, yeah, I'm here until okay. tomorrow, too. All right. Okay, good, good. That's Bye-bye. Thanks. Right. <laughs> little, little interlude there with Rachel Luttrell, my castmate, or former castmate. Um, so, uh... uh with each successive appearance, they gave me some comic foibles, uh, the Scourge, uh, the SGA episode where we, we went off-world and Woolsey's afraid to go through the Stargate and then, and then he's afraid of the bugs and he runs away faster than anyone else. So they established him sort of as a, uh, you know, as a conference room guy who's not at, all, not at all adept or courageous in the real situation. And the irony is that he... That, and once he became the, the liaison with the IOA, I would say the International Olympic Committee, the IOA, um, then he was constantly evaluating the leadership of others when in fact he had no real leadership skills of his own. So when I did get the call from Joe Malazzi asking how I'd like to take over the Atlantis expedition, I was really surprised. I said, I'd love to, but are, are you kidding? I said, I... You know, I, I've been kind of a coward and certainly not, not a good people manager and not a leader. And, and then the impression I got from him was that that was what would make it challenging. The fans liked my character and that they would tweak it and all that. But basically, it would become... And, and, and when I hung up the phone, I thought, you know, with so many people changing careers later in life especially, and it's gotten a lot worse in the economic meltdown, but you got people in their 50s who are out of work trying to reinvent themselves, and I thought, well, what an interesting thing for this guy to try to do, you know? Has no real emotional connections back on Earth. Uh, goes off and takes this job, and, and he's scared himself, and he's out of his depth, but he's convinced he's going to try to turn himself into a different person, a real leader. And I thought that it ended up working out pretty well without completely violating what we'd set up. I, I kind of grew into, a, you know, a, a leader of sorts. There was some real honesty. In one of the episodes especially, there's some real honesty about the self-doubt the character's going through. Mm -hmm. I really liked that because I felt like, in the end, Rules became a really deep character who really understood mm -hmm. where... You know, at first when you see him, you just don't see him. Yeah, you, he was one of those what you see is what you get, which is a prick. Right? <laughs> but then he, yeah, they, they, I think as the audience got to know him, and, and, and sometimes he couldn't help himself but be the old Woolsey. He couldn't help himself but be the officious kind of, you know, uh, you know, this is the we got to follow the rule book type of guy. But, but I think they really tweaked it early on well where he learned that in these circumstances with this crew in this situation, he had to learn to trust his, uh, you know, his senior officers and advisors, trust them, and also to, to, to uh, if he followed the rule book, it wasn't always going to work out. He had to follow his gut. 
um, as he developed those instincts. So that was uh, it, it. Ended up being fun. I was really disappointed to see it end uh, so quickly. I mean, I went in thinking it would just be a year. Also, not knowing if Amanda would be back, if her show would succeed, whether I would just be a fill-in. So I didn't. I, my own expectations didn't necessarily extend beyond a year, but certainly for the sake of the show as a whole, I, I was surprised that it, that, you know, that it didn't go on. It did seem to at least you have the movie right coming out. Um, as far as uh, you know, they, there's, they've written the script for the movie. We don't have a, a go date yet. It'll depend on whether Sci-Fi Channel, I think, really feels that the interest is strong enough. So we're hoping it happens. At least, at least but I don't know. What is it, extinction? The plan. Yeah, it's written, and we just need enough loyal Stargate fans out there to uh, write into the Sci-Fi Channel and say, "Hey, where's the Atlantis movie?" Yeah. Are you are you scripted to be in that? Oh yeah, I am. I'm scripted to be in. If it's made, I will be there. <laughs> um, from the Star Trek end of things, uh, I know a lot of your character was providing a lot of comic relief. However, a lot of Star Trek is kind of social commentary. Is there an episode that you that you participated in your mind really stands out as a favorite or maybe made a statement that you, you know just you felt really satisfied with? Yeah, I have favorite episodes for different reasons. Um, I love, uh, as far as making a statement, uh, I, there were two medical shows, uh, Critical Care, um, where... Uh, the doctor is basically hijacked by an alien HMO <laughs> yeah, right. in which, in a society in which uh, medical care is rationed according to your perceived societal worth as an individual. Mm -hmm. I thought that was a very interesting and provocative show. Um, and then uh, Nothing Human, where one of my dear friends, David Clennon, guest starred as a, as a holographic recreation of a Cardassian, you know, uh, Mengele. And he had um, he had killed uh, thousands of people in medical experimentations to de to develop uh, a uh, a flu uh, antivirus that saved many more lives. Mm -hmm. So the question was: Is medical research tainted by the manner in which it is it is uh, derived or accomplished? Um, I also loved. Uh, the, the, the episode that the writer Joe Minoski described as the development of the doctor's soul or the birth of the doctor's soul which was a latent image where the doc, in a medical crisis the doctor saves his friend Harry Kim over another uh, crew person who he doesn't know as well and then he can't resolve the guilt from having done that having made a choice like that uh, it's based on individual preference right I uh, thought it violated his Hippocratic Oath. Um, that was a good one. And then there were some great comic ones the, and romantic ones. I love Someone to Watch Over Me and some of the lighter-hearted ones, but they were still about, you know, the, the Our My Fair Lady episode where the, where the uh, teacher falls in love with his student. So there were a, a lot that I remember uh, fondly. Uh, obviously, the more dramatic Doctor ones usually centered around the medical arena, not exclusively, but often did, or around the, the entitlement of an individual, what constitutes an individual. So, um, you know, there were a lot, uh, there were a lot of them that, that I remember uh, fondly and being a lot of, a lot of words to learn. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
what did you like about playing the Doctor? I what I like the most in the context of Star Trek, where if you're a Starfleet crew person, there is such a kind of a strict code of ethics and behavior uh, that you normally have to follow. What I loved about playing the Doctor was that he wasn't he wasn't a real person. He was not an officer. He was designed for emergency medical use for a limited. So I did not have to obey any of the laws of being a Starfleet officer. I did not have to be brave, stalwart, true. I didn't have to do any of those things. I could be completely self-involved, cowardly, uh, arrogant. With, I, I could have all these negative qualities to play, which the other actors don't have the luxury in their in their characterizations to play, and that was what turned out to be the most fun ultimately. In a sense, he was probably the most human. Yeah, but also he was the most like the average audience member, right? The average audience member in a crisis situation is not necessarily going to be a hero, right? The way the doctor is not. It's like, wait a minute, I'm not cut out for this. This is not what I'm supposed to do. That was what the doctor. His original attitude was like, whoa. I'm designed for this, you know, and now you're, you know, respect what I do know and what I do bring to the table, but don't ask me to do this, this, and this. But because he became the chief medical officer, immediately they were pushing him into doing something he wasn't designed to do. But then he grew to love that, and then he, he had this parallel instinct to extend himself beyond what his initial programming was, in other words, to make himself a better individual. So on the one hand, he could play all these negative qualities, but on the other hand, he had a better self that wanted to, you know, constantly exceed everyone's expectations and do more and be more valuable. So there was a great wealth of things to play, and it turned out to be a great deal of fun and a very long, interesting arc that I didn't realize I had been blessed with until well into the process. I was ignorant enough about Star Trek and the outsider character that I had been lucky enough to get to not know that I was in for a fun ride. I think anybody who watched Voyager from season one to season seven could definitely see the character development. I think I had uh, the other actors, and I have to agree with them. I had the I I was I had the best I had the best character. I was a lucky guy. Well, we hope you enjoyed that awesome interview with Robert Ricardo. We know we enjoyed it, and uh, we enjoyed just having the time to chat with him. We know we were supposed to interview uh, uh, David Lawrence tonight, Eric Doyle, uh, the puppeteer from Heroes. Uh, for some reason, we crossed paths, and we're still working out. Uh, we aren't sure exactly what happened with that. Not a big deal at all. We will bring you that interview in the future. So those of you that gave questions to us, we have that interview ready to go. As far as other things we talk about in our show notes, much, much more than we can ever cover in the time that we have allotted. And um, you can find all of that at the, at the sci-fi diner podcast.com. And, uh, and you can find the trailers there and much, much more information that we can, that we can give you. Uh, we encourage you to get become a part of the discussion, respond to the things we're talking about. We have discussion for uh, places down at the bottom of the show notes. And if you're a podcaster with a promo and you're hot to trot, please send it to us. We want to play it to us on our show. And you can email them to us at the Sci-Fi Diner Podcast at gmail.com. We, of course, have a Twitter account, and we, of course, have a Twitter at the Sci-Fi Diner. Miles, what's your personal Twitter? I am Son of Worf at Twitter. 
And I also, I'm also on Trickspace, uh, so I've worked at Trickspace. Yeah, so you can find us there. You can find me on Twitter at Herzog, H-E-R-T-Z-O-G, but the Sci-Fi Diner Twitter, of course, is the official show Twitter. We, of course, have our store that we mentioned earlier on, MySciFiStore.com. And don't forget, you need to challenge yourself to answer the trivia question. Prove your geek cred to us like a bunch of you did this past week. Tons of answers on the trivia this past week. We, of course, can't choose everyone, but we want to see what you know. You can always email us at the sci-fi diner podcast at gmail.com. And don't forget to call our phone number with your thoughts, your, your reviews of TV shows, movies that you're watching, and your comments on the things that we're talking about. You can call us at 1-888-508-4343. That's 1-888-508-4343. We'll see ya. Until then, good night and good luck. Okay, let's see. I wanted to pick up Fringe Season 1 in Dollhouse. And so here I am at Cards and Bobble. I should be able to pick up both of these easily, I'm guessing, for around 70 bucks, right? So uh, let me see. Back in the past book section. Who reads books anymore? Okay, um, into the DVD section. Oh, no. FFFF Fringe. Okay, Season 1. Uh, $60? you got to be kidding me. My wife only gives me an allowance of $75. There's no way I'm going to be able to pick up Fringe. Well, what's Dollhouse? $50 for Dollhouse? It's only half a season. 13 episodes. Give me a break. I'm not going to get... I can't get any of these. I get one, but I want both. <sighs> Wait a minute. What's that? Hello? You mean I can get both of these for $70? Where, now, where's that? MySciFiStore.com. MySciFiStore.com. It enables me to get both of these for $70? bucks. i am going there. Screw cards and bobble. I'm out of here. MySciFiStore.com. Saving you money from here to the end of the universe.